Hey, man, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl. Howdy, my riders, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl, man. Life, man. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know when this happened, but uh, it had to have happened sometime earlier this year. But now I'm like the morning guy. Okay? Like, I get up at 7 every morning. No alarm. I just get up now. This is me. I've never been morning guy. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Ask my mom. Back in the day, uh, she would drive me to school. Right on her way to work, and I would wait until the very last second every morning, and it would uh, piss her off. <laughs> I'm sure I made that lady late so much, but now look at me. Now I'm up sipping coffee and talking on a microphone to you people. Life's weird, man. But you know what? I enjoy a morning guy. You know, it's it's been a it's been a trip. Let's keep this thing going. Hey, so salute to all the coffee drinkers out there. I'm sure you listen to this uh, on your daily commute, or maybe you're just uh, skipping work, or you're like my mom and you're running late for work. Uh, regardless, welcome to the Badum Chain. All right, guys, let's get started. Uh, episode, my guest this week is Jasper Platt, Nashville comic. Uh, first time I saw Jasper, I just saw a mountain of hair coming at me. With a, with a, uh, regular size, but look tiny, New York Mets baseball cap. And I'm like, and I saw him at the Cobra, right? Local bar. And I'm like, who is this guy's, it's a character and a half, man. I think I like this dude. Well, unbeknownst to me, guess what? He's a comic. Imagine that. <laughs> but man, if there's a, a label for Jasper, if there's a nice guy award, this guy's probably the nicest guy in, in comedy, hands down. Cool, my freaker man. So what follows is a great conversation. Oh, and also I found out that Jasper is a drummer. So me being a drummer as well, uh, I have a special kinship to any drummer that gets up on that damn stage from the back to the front and tries to make the people laugh. Uh, me and Evan Norman had Jasper on our show, Two Chones Make a Right, and he was our headliner, and it was his first headlining gig, and I hope he enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy Jasper, because ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jasper Platt. People ask me a lot about like what my ethnicity is and stuff, and like it just gets awkward when white people ask. It's 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 super weird, it's super duper weird when white people ask. It's just like, oh my god, like what are you? Like what is this is a lot. <laughs> so much. You look like you look like Teddy Ruxpin trying to sell me CBD. Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> you look like if Ice Cube, instead of gangster rap, took up skateboarding. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Niggas with skateboards. Kid flip. All right, anyway. So, yeah. So, I get tired of telling people what I am ethnically. So, now I just tell people that my mother was a horse and my father was a motivational speaker. So, I'm half centaur, half mentor. All right. <laughs> How you been? Man, I've been all right. Nothing's been been pretty good recently. Yeah. You say nothing's been good recently? 
No, <laughs> no, stuff has been pretty good. Stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Hey, All right. Do it. I'm fucked, dude. I'm fucking <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I'm top. Fuck that would be fuck everything. That would be very refreshing. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree, but it would not be entertaining. People would just be like, "Man, I'm sad too. I came here to not be sad." Oh, that's true. Oh, okay, we're like we're like a getaway. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, it's good to see you, man. Like, yeah, probably haven't seen you since, you know, obviously the the thing, man. Yeah. yeah Catch us up, man. Well, well, I mean, man, like, how you been handling this, you know, new reality? A lot of uh, ups and downs, man. Ups and downs. Uh, a lot of downs. A whole lot of downs. A whole lot of new downs I didn't know I could have. And then wow. more recently, there have been. It's been it's been looking up, you know, things have been looking up just in general, but also like for me personally, I think things are going in a good direction. Okay, good. That's good to hear, man. Sorry you had yeah. a little bad run there. I mean, everything sucked last year, didn't mm-hmm. it? Like I didn't Fuck, hear you anybody terrible. You know, I, I would joke around and be like, I'm thriving in this <laughs> thing. But like, you know, like honestly, I don't know anybody that really has a great story or like somebody's like, Oh, that was the best year of my life. <laughs> if somebody did, I would love to meet that person. Yeah, you know, or right, that person should right. should write the book. You know, <laughs> I was the guy that had a great time in this At pandemic. The same time though, I'm gonna read that book, and the entire time I'm just gonna be like, "Man, fuck you!" <laughs> like, <laughs> you had a good time during a global pandemic, man. Like, you must have done some fucked up shit. Like, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as, as you know, as the pride before the fall, when reality comes back or life comes back. I'm sure that guy will go back to his miserable life. So <laughs> I'm sure life for that guy wasn't too good beforehand to be thriving in a pandemic. So. Yeah. This has been your best year. I don't want to see your worst year. Yeah. Like this is <laughs> life comes back and he gets ran over by a, a pedal truck, pedal tavern. Right. <laughs> oh man. That'd be so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, uh, I mean, how you been staying sane during the shutdown, man? Uh, I've been trying to like find different things to do for a while there. I like tried to like, uh, I was trying to write a TV show. Mm. I was trying to write a pilot. And then I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and now I'm on like my third first draft for the first pilot episode. And, you know, trying to figure out how to even write dialogue. I've just been yelling at myself. Like you talk to people all the time and you can't write how people talk. So that's been one of those things that I keep procrastinating. And every time I come back to it, I'm like, why don't I work on this more? It's like when you meditate, you know, when you're like, why don't I do this more often? It just feels good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do that like on and off. Um, and then I also have a podcast I was working on and that stopped. Uh, we're on a temporary or permanent hiatus. Uh, what was the, what was the podcast about? It's, uh, it's called Preaching to the Choir. Okay. And it's uh, my buddy Quinn. Uh, grew up super, super religious, and I think it was evangelical. I might have, but other way, super, super Christian. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he turned eighteen or nineteen, and he realized that he was the most atheist a person could be. And so now he wanted to read me the Bible because I never read it, but I grew up pretty Catholic. And pretty, uh, I like that. Pretty, pretty Catholic. Pretty Catholic. I'm not, not super Catholic. I like my grandma on my mom's side was super Catholic. Like she was going to become a nun, and instead of becoming a nun, she had nine kids. Like extremely Irish Catholic. That's and then a Mormon, my mom, that's a Mormon thing to do. 
<laughs> have nine kids. Yeah, <laughs> put them to work. No, Mormons have nine kids with eight women. Uh, <laughs> but that is that is a Mormon thing to do. My my grandmother had nine kids with one man, and then they got divorced. Um, but yeah, so I never re- actually read the Bible all the way through. So he is reading me the Bible uh, from a atheistic standpoint, and I'm just re- responding to it the way I think that a normal person would, or the way that like I would if someone was like, "Hey, this is a holy text," uh, and it's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. Um, you're reading a lot of uh, more Old Testament stuff, or we're going through it whole front thing. to back. Yeah. Okay. Just, I mean, yeah. Again, we're on a hiatus right now, so we only got to like numbers. I think is the book we're on. Oh, so, so you're taking it like a chapter at a time? Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, wow. the episodes. I mean, you can tell in the very beginning we had no idea what the fuck we're doing. So if you <laughs> are listening to this now and you want to go listen to preaching the choir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the first like all of Genesis and a bit of. Pretty much all Genesis, we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. We were figuring it out as we were going. Like the first couple episodes, we were like, oh, let's make this a drinking podcast. We'll get drunk. It'll be fun. And I don't remember <laughs> shooting it. Like, I don't remember <laughs> shooting the first few. Uh, it's great. And I'm really happy with, like, how it, we slowly, like, again, like, as soon as we hit our stride, we had, like, okay, we're going to record this week. And then the next week, we're going to come in and we're going to edit. And then the week after that, we're going to, because we also included puppets we had puppets in uh so <laughs> that, that, like, that seems natural you have puppets. i mean you're gonna have puppets. i mean you're doing anything with bible study you're gonna have like a pup yeah that's flashback will tell you that <laughs> um so like we have the show on spotify and on youtube and everywhere you can get podcasts and stuff but if you go on youtube that's where you can see the puppet stuff and so we had like come up with a schedule we were being like real official around this time last year and then the, you know the pandemic hit and we had to halt production and we tried to do it through zoom and try to do it virtual and it just wasn't the same, and it was again trying to find our footing after we had just found it. So that was oh, right. Oh man, damn! That's just um, another it's another wrench in, you know, trying to climb back to reality. And it's like, all right, yeah, at least I got this thing. Yep, and then it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I, uh, uh, as far as like creative outputs, then me and me and Eddie Ortiz were doing National Comedy News, and yeah. then cases started to spike, and we we erred on the side of caution, and we, we're taking, that is a temporary hiatus. Like, we are going to come back to that. I know Eddie wants to work on it. I know Hope wants to work on it, and we were all having so much fun. Like, we were stressed out, but we were also having a great time. Like, it was, it's the kind of thing where, like, I never worked on a project like that, where, like, uh, we would write together, which is something that was new to me. It was like writing jokes with three other people in the room. Mm-hmm. And then we would laugh while we're writing the jokes. And then we'd go to shoot and we're laughing while we're shooting. And we take several takes and we're still laughing. And like that kind of like affirmation of, okay, we're not bullshitting. This is actually funny and we're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Like that's great. And I'm excited to do that again once it's safe. And it'll probably be once it's warm outside. So then we can do that while it's warm, which is just a, a win-win. Yeah, man. Um, but then I also got involved romantically with a person who I've known for like a decade. Ooh. Yeah. 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 So my friend, actually, she was coming to visit for her birthday last year, which was March 9th. Her birthday is March 8th, but she got here March 9th. And so oh, she got here like just in time, like, like right just in time. Like, wow. like, honestly, like she got here and she was going to stay three days. And then on the third day, she was from Delaware and Delaware shut down and they weren't letting anybody in or out wow. of the state. So then she's like, well, I can't go back. All my work is canceled. So I might as well just crash here for the weekend. And then she stayed to the weekend and was like, well, 
I got nowhere to be. I don't have a place to stay up there. I'm like crashing in my friend's room. Is it cool if I stay down here? And I was like, absolutely. And then two weeks later, we're like, you know what? This just feels right. We've been spending a, like so much time together. And it just feels so good to be with someone like you. And then we formed this wonderful relationship. And it's been, you know, we had our anniversary officially like last week. Wow. And See, so look at that. That's like, been that keeping that, me sane. That one thing is probably better than most people's story of last year. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> how great is that? That you know, luckily Delaware had the insight of being like, we're not gonna let our three remaining citizens back into the <laughs> <laughs> we can't, back we into can't this let place. Any of these any of these three people out. This very, yeah. very small group cannot leave Delaware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're out, you're 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 out of the circle. You're out of the Delaware. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was like the strangest thing where, yeah, the world is like absolutely falling apart and no one knows what's going on. And you talk to adults and adults know, don't know what's going on. Like That's always parents. that's always the thing, right? You, yeah. If the adults don't know what's happening, then, then we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, OK, so this is actually like my dad went to a casino. My dad went to a casino. He lives in Florida and he went to a casino last summer. And the second he told me that, I, I I went into dad mode. Like I was just like, "How can you be so irresponsible?" I'm not. <laughs> I was just like so floored. I was like, "Oh man, yeah, the adults do not know what they're doing. Like they have no idea." Yeah, casino baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> it brings them in. <laughs> <laughs> man, it was fucking rough. I had never like I didn't know what it felt like to be. Not mad, just disappointed, you know. Uh, and then my dad went to a casino, and I was like, I am so exasperated by right? just funny. hearing this. Like, do you know how unsafe this is? You could have been hurt, you could have been scared, like, something's gonna happen to you. Like, you know, masks are only 99.9% effective. So, even if you wear it 999 times on that one, you know, 1000th time, that's when you get it, dad. That's when I was like, oh, this is a common talk thing my dad had. Like, this is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the roles have shifted. You know, it was weird, man. It was real weird. <laughs> well, dude, if you don't mind, let's let's take a little trip uh, past. Sure. Let's, let's go. It. Let's go before uh, the pandemic. Uh, cool. Let's go way before. <laughs> cool, man. I want to hear um, how you got into doing comedy, man. What what was the Jasper trajectory? Sure. Yeah. Let's. Uh, so, my dad plays music. And so I grew up with him always having, like, he had thousands and thousands of dollars of musical equipment. He always had a band. He was always out playing and he plays bass. And I always wanted to be like in a band. Like, I remember being a kid, you know, and like, uh, I snuck into his music room when I was like five and I played the drums. And my dad comes downstairs, right? And I thought I was in trouble because these weren't even his drums, they were his drummers. Yeah. So I was playing and my dad was like, oh, shit uh i thought scott our drummer was here i didn't realize that you were playing drums and i was like oh okay weird and then i was like five so i was i was like oh whatever i'm not in trouble that's great and then like years <laughs> later you know i realized my dad would tell me that story i'm like i wasn't that good was i he was like it sounded legit i was like all right so then i bought my, my dad got me a drum kit for like my 12th or 13th birthday and i fell in love with it loved mm. drums thought that music was like the course that's what i'm gonna do Damn. i'm gonna play music and um where was this at where did you grow up i grew up in uh so i was born in connecticut right born in uh Stratford, connecticut and then parents split up mom moved to pa took us with her so then i grew up in pennsylvania 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So from like age eight on, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And so then my dad moved down there. And so I'm playing drums and, uh, you know, both my parents live in Pennsylvania. And I just think that this is the path. I think that this is where I'm going to go in life. This is what my calling is. Like, I love music. Like I, 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 you know, took like music history classes and fell in love with just the history of all music. Uh, and just thought like, you know, like whether it's writing or playing, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to find a way into it. And then I save up enough money and decide I'm going to move to Nashville because this is music city. This is where all the musicians are. My dad always told me, if you want to get good, go where the experts are. And I figured there'd be more musicians here per capita, just by chance, I'm going to run into better musicians. And then I hung out with musicians when I was down here. And tried to play drums with certain people, tried to, you know, do this, that, the other, was just trying to get in in any way I can. Mm-hmm. And hanging out with musicians is one of the worst experiences you can do. <laughs> like, I, I hated hanging out with musicians, man. All they wanted to do was talk about, like, themselves and their crafts and the technicality of music and this, that, the other. And, like, jamming with musicians is fine. If you're just hanging out, drinking, smoking, playing, that's great. But if you're sitting down in a room with no instruments, just talking to musicians, it is the most mind-numbing experience <laughs> I can possibly recommend. And so after doing that for like six months, like actively chasing music and, you know, emailing people, calling people, texting people, hanging out with people, trying to like play with people, very little playing, so much more of like trying to get schedules set up so I can play with people, uh, people asking for my SoundCloud. And I was like, dog, I'm like, a jazz trained drummer you don't want to hear my soundcloud like i'll come in and sit for an hour and play and if you like it you like it if you don't you don't like that's fine but i was just like so thrown off by the music scene so i did that for about six seven months and that entire time also i was drunk and high like i was fucked up like i was not doing good man and uh um then you know took a took a break from the drinking to figure out what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and and I'm, I I love the stage. I'm, I adore this stage. I did Rocky Horror Picture Show in Delaware with with my current girlfriend Ashley uh, for five years. And I oh really? So you have yeah. like theater a theater background as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird to call that theater. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just up in women's underwear in front of strangers. <laughs> yes, I'm a theater. <laughs> Uh, um, so I did that for five years and I loved it. Like I love performing and just being on the stage in front of people. And I loved talking. Like there was this thing we would do where we'd have an MC come out before the show started where the person who was MC would just explain to all the people in the crowd, like what the fuck was about to happen? Cause it's weird. If you don't know what Rocky Horror Picture Show is and you, you know, go and I've never went to one. I've never watched the movie. I never watched the movie. So go ahead. Okay. Okay. Don't yell at uh, me. Yeah. I know about it, but I just haven't. No, I'm not going to yell at you, <laughs> If you haven't seen the movie, like, good for you. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a terrible movie with a great soundtrack. It's, uh, in, it's, it's weird. It's a weird, it's about transsexual aliens coming to Earth and they are, it's fucking, it's bizarre. The music's fantastic. Oh, but, I'm um, into it. That's all you had to say. I'm into it. I'm into it. I would recommend because they do it down at Belcourt, right? Like every Halloween where they. That's right. So the, Dude, I, I, that I've always wanted to go that every year. I threaten to go, and I and I always forget. I always forget. Oh, let's, it fucking go. It let's, out. Fucking let's go. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Let's make yes. it happen. 
So, because, yeah, I always forget is, it sells out. All right, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah it, always, it always sells out. That's the worst thing. Is like the second they announce it, you have to like anticipate when they're going to announce it so you can buy the tickets immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is, is basically so they play them. We would do it every Saturday at midnight. They play the movie in a movie theater and we would act it out as it was happening. Um, so we'd dress up in costumes and we'd act it out. And people in the audience would shout things. They'd be like call back, call back lines, you know, like anytime Janet's on the screen, you say slut, this, that, the other. Anytime Brad's on the screen, you say asshole. So it was like, it's very, very interactive. It's very like, I guess for, for a comics terms, it's very heckler friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing that and still thinking like, you know, music's going to be my thing. And then I move here, stop doing the Rocky Horror thing, chase music, don't like it. And uh, I'm sobering up. No, I'm not like a sober, sober person, you know, but like for, for about a year there I was. Um, so just get my head on straight. That's good. And I decide, you know what, man, I'm going to look up to see if there are any comedy open mics in Nashville. And I'm going to go to one. And I went to I I don't I think it was the very first night that uh Sean Parrott was doing Roast the Host. So what was the motivation of wanting to go to open comedy mic? So for the Rocky Horror MC thing, that was my I did that for four years out of the five I was doing it. You're so I introduced the show. Yeah, I was okay. MCing for the Rocky Horror show. And so it was basically like half an hour to an hour, depending on how many people in the audience and how many things we had to run through. Um, I would go through all the rules of like, hey, don't get naked. That's still illegal, even though we like are very body positive here. Don't get naked. That the other, but you also have to like, so you're giving out rules, but you also have to make it fun and entertaining. Otherwise, people are just going to leave before the movie even starts. So I did that for four years, and it was the mo- it was my favorite part of the show. Like if I could have just come in, done that, and gone the fuck home and go to bed at a reasonable hour instead of five a.m., I would have done that every week. I would have done that for the rest of my life. It was the most fun. And so I was thinking about that when I was here and I was like, you know what, man, I just want to try to do stand up. I want to try to get out there. You know, I did like I did riff in between uh, rule telling and, and explaining what's about to happen for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And like so I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to try comedy. I'm going to see if this is a thing I can do and I'm going to give it a shot. And, uh, you know, I've always loved stand up. Like I've always been a huge fan of stand up. Um, and uh, so I went out and I tried it and I bombed terribly. Uh, actually, that was the first night I met Josh Wagner because we couldn't find the entrance to uh, Third Coast. We were like looking around the building and it was super duper <laughs> weird. It is, uh, it is it is hard to find that entrance, you know. Yeah, yeah. What, once you know it, you're like, oh, duh. But if you can't find it, you're like every thing is a door like there's a window and then a door on this entire building yeah and, and it's, it's all the same old, because it's, it's all, all that marathon you know like warehouse so yeah it all looks yeah. the same too yeah i mean i haven't been in a minute but like at the time it wasn't obvious which door is a door and it was super late so like you're at this abandoned warehouse looking yeah. thing and you don't know which door works and like we're trying we're walking up all these outside stairs and stuff and like trying to figure out like walking around the building and josh was like do you know what the entrance is and i was like Nah, man. <laughs> it looks like a place. It looks like a place that you would have a fight club, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, <does. laughs> it looks like a place like that. The, the behind where that the little gravel driveway yeah. and the train set. That's where is. I always like, park. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the best parking. You're gonna get a parking spot there every time. Yeah. But that looks like some shit out of a mobster movie. Like oh. leave the gun, oh, yeah. leave the cannoli shit. Like that's what that. Oh yeah. Like, and they got that big so, dumpster right there, so it's just like, yeah, you know where you like, get yeah, tossed. put the bodies, obviously. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I go up 
and you know i do it and i i i remember the jokes i told him they're not even worth retelling it was just like bad dumb fucking first time jokes and i bombed but it was a weird night because it was the first night that we were doing that sean Perry was doing roast to host yeah and so no one really knew the concept of roast to host at the time like people were still trying to figure it out and sean's a really nice dude like and i didn't know him so i didn't want to go up and roast him you know, and everyone was trying to <laughs> roast him in between jokes and it was just like kind of awkward, but everyone was figuring it out. And like, so yeah, I did that. I bombed. And then I discovered that there were more open mics and I went out, you know, the next night and I, I was immediately hooked. So from that, that's moment great. On, I was that's like, great that you yeah. went back, man. You know, cause how many people you think bomb and then they're like, you know what? I bombed. I'm not going to go back. What was your motivation to be like, you know what? I'm gonna try that again. Um, well, so I wasn't like completely inexperienced because there were a lot of nights with, with doing the MC bit for Rocky Horror yeah. where you would, it was late at night, Saturday at midnight, you know? So sometimes we would get crowds of like four people and you would just bomb. Like I would just go up as an MC and bomb. And then we still have to perform the whole movie and people would leave and no one would care. And so I was used to like, well, you got to you got to do the thing and get your time in and all that. So I wasn't completely inexperienced to a bomb. However, doing stand up for the first time, it still felt terrible because I was up there by myself. There was no like troop of weird, horny goths behind me about to perform a movie. It was just me. So I did the thing and then I bombed. But I was like, you know what, man, like I know I can do better. I'm going to go up and record my shit next time. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to know what worked and what didn't, if it was the audience or if it was me. And I, I you know, I love the stage so much. Like I love performing so much that I couldn't not go back. I couldn't say I gave it a shot if I didn't go back. Dude, I can't believe that I didn't know you played drums. Like how did, <laughs> it, how did this never come up? You know what I mean? Like we never talked have, about it. I don't talk to a lot of people about playing drums, man. I'm a little ashamed of the fact that I came to Nashville to play music and then I gave up on it entirely. Like a little bit, like publicly, for sure. I'm not going to fucking mention that. And honestly, you and I haven't had like a lot of one-on-one time, you know, yeah, like we'll, be, we'll, we'll chat with like other, like one of the comics are around like at the East Room or at the pub, yeah. but we haven't had like a lot of opportunities just to like sit down it's, it's so awkward as an adult to be like hey man you want to like get a drink you want to like get a play date together so we can just like <laughs> chat dude like that would be oh man i would love to do that i would love to do that with every single comic that i know yeah especially see, that's, like a that's lot what of people I, here that's what i get to do with this thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. like is oh it's a great excuse to hang out with your friends yeah man. and it's a chance it's to like learn best. to learn about these people you know what I mean? yeah. like including yourself man like who's some of your favorite uh drummers like some of your biggest influences uh, biggest influences, man. You know, I don't know if I know a lot of non-musicians are gonna hate this, but Dave Matthews band, Carter Beaufort. Yeah. Dude, that dude is fucking nuts. Yeah. Like that was my introduction to drumming. I went to a Dave Matthews oh. show when I was like eight, and I got to see his huge kit. He had a mirror above him so you could see what he was doing. <laughs> and I was just like, I want that. That looks fucking awesome. Like being an eight-year-old, like I want to learn how to do that shit. That shit is tight. So I love, like, he's one of my top influences. And uh, that record, I was I was older than you, still am, I guess. But uh, it's like when that first record came out, the big one, um, I saw the videos for that on VH1, and I noticed he was doing uh, left-hand lead. You know, he's playing a right-handed yeah. drum set, but he's playing leading with the left hand, and he has 
if you guys don't know drums, uh, usually you have your big symbol, the ride symbol on your right side, and you play the hi-hat with your right hand. Well, he was doing playing a hi-hat with his left hand and playing the ride symbol on the left side. So he's mm-hmm. playing a left-hand lead. And so, like, I tried to copy that in high school. I, th- I, can, equate, <laughs> I can equate, like, building up my left hand from trying to copy Carter and, and do left-hand lead stuff. You know, it was a very interesting way of thinking very original drummer yeah like not oh he's great even a thing like you don't think about left-handed drums like that's not really a thing like there's left-handed guitar players and stuff but like there's not really i think he's pretty much it we know what here's a here's a bonus for you ringo is left-handed but he plays a right-handed kit and he plays right-handed lead but if you go back and listen to some of his his feels and really pay attention he's leading with the left hand that's why he kind of creates Fuck, man, so I'm like, I'm gonna unorthodox. Go yeah, that's why that's some so of his cool. feels like start from the bottom up to the snare instead of starting the snare and going around because he leads with the left hand. So it creates like a a different uh, sound altogether. You know what I mean? So yeah, left-handed awesome. guy, right-handed kid. Because I guess back in the 50s, it was frowned upon to, <laughs> for, <laughs> to be a lefty. Ain't that weird? It's like, how dare you be left-handed? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, like fucking Jimmy and Paul Hendricks, like they had a hard time oh, because right, they had yeah. to buy right. They didn't have left-handed guitar. They had yeah. to buy right-handed guitars yeah. and then unstring them and completely redo it. I mean, how like, how motivated do you have to be? You know, what I mean, if, yeah. if I if I saw that if I saw that at a pawn shop and like I'm a left-handed guy, I'm like, nah, that ain't for me. I ain't for I'm me. Do something else. I, I, I'll, yeah. What are you going? What else you going to do with the left hand? I play violin. I guess I don't fucking know. I'll go drive, I'll go drive in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play the bongos. I don't know, man. Bongos aren't left-handed. It's like fuck. nobody. Yeah, nobody cares about the bongo player anyway. You know, they don't pay no. attention to them. I can't tell I you any bongo that. players that might be left-handed. Maybe they all are. That's why they play bongos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mentioned a little bit of this uh, with Tyler Buckingham. And uh, I wanted to mention to you, too, because just seeing you, how natural you are working with the crowd, it makes sense since you have that MC experience that I didn't know about. But when life starts coming back to Nashville, do you have any thought about, like, starting an open mic, like hosting an open mic? Because I feel um, you would be very good at that because you're so affable with the people. Um, could you just keep complimenting me instead? Can we just go on, like? <laughs> is that part of the show where he's like you're just a nice guy you're so like friendly and people love you like can we just keep doing that yeah man just keep sliding those checks man <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll fucking take it um yeah I, I tried to start a mic uh a while back i think the very very beginning of 2018 no 2019 the very beginning of 2019 i tried to start an open mic and just the the venue i picked was not conducive to a weekly open mic thing but i got two weeks maybe three weeks out of it i think and it was fine i thought you know it would have been better but i also like i had scheduled it because it was right after bobby's idle hour closed so i thought you know it'd be good if we had a monday night same slot same exact time uh same day of the week if i could just like transfer that to a new bar Mm -hmm. and uh another comedian also had the same idea and they just so happened to pick a way better venue at Springwater. Excuse me. So that one survived. And uh, not saying that like, the comments will go to a mic that's at the same time. Oh, yeah. 
but my venue just the owner of it was just not in favor of having comedians hang out in it once a week no, <laughs> it was no, not no. that kind of establishment so it's understandable um, <laughs> yeah once he said it i was like man fuck you and then i was driving home and i was like Nah, that's fair. That's perfectly fair. <laughs> it's like a business. Yeah, you're like, I don't even want to have these people in my house, much less in a venue. You know? <laughs> um, I would love to start an open mic, man. I would, I would absolutely love it. I've hosted a couple times for a couple different mics, and I adore it. I love it. It's great. It's super awkward um, when you're trying to work your own bits. I've realized that when you're trying to do your own bits in between acts that was a host yeah yeah like you got like that is where riffing is exactly for like if you're hosting and you want to try to riff and do some crowd work do it in between don't fucking do like so i was at the dentist the other day it isn't crazy anyway your next comedian no one fucking wants that yeah you realize pretty fast it's not about you (laughs) yeah 100 percent. especially like when a mic starts running past that hour hour 30 mark and you're still doing bids in between it's like duh people want to go home Oh yeah, they know an hour thirty means it's going to be a three-hour fucking month. And then and most nobody of time, wants that. And most of the time, you're like in a rock club or something, so you got this band waiting who's going to make it. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. sign their contract after their 10 p.m. show. You know what I mean? Yep, so yep. Got to deal with they that. They know they know that like a, a record label guy's <laughs> in the audience. You know, so they, <laughs> they have to get up at this time because he's going to leave before then, and you're just fucking their shit up. Yeah, man. When you, uh, when you're doing comedy before uh, a musical act, when you're doing open mics. I'll say when you do an open mic yeah. for a musical act, yeah. those musicians are just so fucking done with you. And again, reasonably so. You are you are taking their time and you're not being funny most times at an open mic. So <laughs> uh Jasper, do you have so do you have any aspirations comedy wise, goals for when life comes back? What do you want to try to see happen for yourself? Um, the plan. So again, this is this is I feel like I'm just fucking saying the same thing over and over again, but like I had plans to tour. I had hard and fast plans to tour. You know, I was uh, getting things together. I got a tape. I was going to send it out to bookers. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. I got to headline this really, really dope show called two Chong's don't make a right at the East room. Two Chong's last year. I, I, well, I did a different show. I did a different show. <laughs> yeah, that's, why, that's why it was dope. I was doing a different one. Yeah, yeah. That one was way better. Make it right. was the most fun. Again, th- I, thank you for putting me up, man. It was my first headlining set. Hell it was yeah. fucking spectacular. It was so much fun. And uh, after that, I was like, you know what, man? I'm, I got merch together. Mm-hmm. I was selling like, like stickers and shit. I was getting ready to, to go travel. Like I, I won a tour. I was going to hit up Alabama. I was going to hit up Kentucky. I was going to hit up fucking all the places nearby, maybe even like go to Chicago or St. Louis for a bit, try to go back to New York. Cause I still know some people there and try to like do shows and stuff and like hang out with some folks. And uh, yeah, so I had hard and fast plans to travel. And then three weeks after that great show, two Chong's make a right. Uh, <laughs> everything got shut down. So I had to put it all on hold. And so the second thing start to get back to normal, uh, I'm going to hit the mics. I'm going to get, you know, a new, at least 10 together, try to get a new, just, just get some new shit going and then go back out on the road and, and make it happen, man. There it is. Dude. One final question. Yeah. Mount Rushmore. What is your Mount Rushmore of comedians? So you get four. 
You get four comedians. Oh, wow. That's a good question. Fuck. Um, I'm going to... Maria Bamford is like one of my first favorite comedians when I was a kid. I thought she was so weird and fun and cool. Oh, yeah. Still is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love her style, man. Love, love how weird she is. Uh, also, you know, she did a stand-up special in front of her parents, and that is just fucking... That's right. Oh, that you know, was so good. If you follow her on Twitter... Um, Lately, she's been just saying, hey, who wants to Zoom with me? I need to work out some material. And she picks the first person that responds and gives them like free merch and time. She's been giving them time. Like, he'll get 10 minutes to. <laughs> it's just wow, like, that's yeah, so yeah. cool, man. So it's a good reason to follow her, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Nobody else follow her. I want that shit. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Don't do it. I want it. Um, so I would put Maria Bamford up there. Um, I would put Kyle Kinane, again, I love everything about his mm. style. Love that shit. Um, and then I'm going to go Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking love Robin Williams. And then a fourth one. Uh, fuck. Bill Cosby. No. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you know I was what? talking about him. I was talking about him recently. It's like, you know what? Like, is it time? Can you say... Can you use Bill Cosby as a reference? I actually don't even like Bill Cosby. I think he's just an old crotchety man who doesn't like kids. Like that's I even without the absolute uh, terrible shit he's yeah. done. I'm like, man, fuck Bill Cosby, <laughs> old ass motherfucker. Like, he's like, you kids need to pull up the pants. Like, fuck you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To do it. Um, try to tell Eddie Murphy four, had I'm, I'm I'm trying to put, I'm trying to pick a safe one. If I'm just like Richard Pryor, but like, uh, I'm gonna go Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, man. Right, I fucking love Rodney. People can't forget to put him on on the list. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. God, I mean, it's just he, he had it. Man. Like his stand up to me is is good, but when he was on talk shows and he would just fucking go, like the Johnny Carson like, stuff. Yeah, oh, dude, it's so good. He's just so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I bet that dude saw some shit too. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he had to have lived the life, man. That's why his eyes are bugging out, man. Oh this my shit god, he can't unsee. Oh my god! <laughs> you imagine trying to like be on the road with that guy? <laughs> oh, it'd be so much fun, dude! Oh, that'd be the fucking best. <laughs> all right, all right. So you get a you get a one more because you're a musician and fellow drummer, Mount Rushmore for drummers. Go ahead, four drummers. Four drummers. Okay, okay. No, this is good. This is good. Um, Carter Buford, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go. Dude, Quest Love. Because when I was a kid and I saw Quest Love playing, I was gonna, I was gonna ask if you had like a Quest Love connection, not just because you got the hair going, which is the hair's fantastic. Hair. It's, it's very obvious that I love Quest Love. And, all, like, and also, like you're from Pennsylvania, I believe he, yeah. he grew up in Philly, didn't? He? Yeah, Am I wrong yeah, there? that was, was. I mean, I hate Philadelphia for the sports and their culture <laughs> and their people. Uh, not their food. Their food's good. But everything else about that place, <laughs> um, did he, did he grow up there? I can't remember, but he, I, he, I'm pretty sure him and him and Black Thought and the whole Roots crew grew up in Philadelphia. Okay, that was okay. like that's like where they that's where they started. I don't know if that's where they grew up, but that's where they started. Yeah, um, so man. Carter, Questlove, um, dude, like I forget the drummer's name, and I feel absolutely ashamed. But the the Carl drummer Roberts from <laughs> Carl Roberts the third is one of my all time. Uh, there was a drummer. There was a drummer from the Funk Brothers, the Motown band, um, who 
kind of invented the Motown fill, you know, that I know you want to leave me. Like that beginning fill is in every single Motown record. And there's a, the drummer who fucking created that fill. Uh, I forget his name. And I feel terrible to be like, oh, yeah, I get four people. And one guy, I don't even know his fucking name. Uh, <laughs> but man, like I played like that was especially like as a young drummer, when you want to play easy drum songs that are also really, really good drum songs to learn, like all the Motown hits yeah. are really, really good ones because they're almost templates. A lot of them are the same exact thing over and over again. Um, so that's number three. And then was it number uh, four? According to, excuse me, I, I did a little research for you. It says Motown's Funk Brothers drummer, is it Uriel Jones? Is that how we say it? Dude, yes, that sounds right. I'm going to say yes. Because they had a couple. The okay. band went on for so long and they had like financial troubles and shit. A lot of guys died and stuff and left the band. But that sounds right. Okay, this guy died too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. The Funk okay. Brothers have a very sad history. Um, but so, yeah. Jones, right. and then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Stuart Copeland, man. I love the police, nice, man. and I think that some of the shit that he does is very, very subtle. If you're not a drummer, and if you listen to it as a drummer, you're like, "What the fuck did he just do?" And you got to rewind it. Like <laughs> some of the shit is just so good. I think him on I, I can't stand losing you is one of those songs. His attitude really comes out too. Like his his arrogance comes out in those fields in the best way, I think. And I love arrogant people. I love arrogant people. I I, I usually don't, but I like him. (laughs) I don't like hanging, I don't like hanging out with arrogant people. But if someone's arrogant, like if especially like an artist, like a like somebody who creates something, and they're like, Yeah, I'm the fucking best. And then someone's like, prove it, and they lay some shit down and you're like, Uh Yeah, all right, that was pretty good. Like, I like that attitude. Like I just respect that shit. If you're going to be like, hey, I'm the fucking greatest. And then someone's like, bullshit. And you're like, crazy fucking filled. I'm like, can all back right, it that up. was really good. Yeah, yeah you can back yeah. it up, you know, for sure. I feel hey. bad that Bonham's not on my four, but yeah. like, I feel like Bonham's going to be on everyone's four. I wanted to yeah, be no, a little no. more diverse. No, I didn't even listen to Zeppelin until I was like in my 20s. Jasper, appreciate you hanging out with us, dog. Um, CR3, it's been the fucking best. So good thanks, to see man. you, man. Where can people follow, follow you on uh, the internet? Okay. Uh, on Instagram, I am Captain Sweetbeard, C-A-P-T, Sweetbeard. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I don't use it that often, but I do only use it for just dumb fucking jokes. So if you just want to get a good chuckle like once a week, uh, it's Jasper D. Tweetin. Um, And then again, I got, you know, National Comedy News. That one's on YouTube. We got uh, and we're, we're going to come out with new stuff. So watch the old videos. They're fucking great. Real proud of those. Eddie did a great job. Hope did a great job. We all did a good job. Um, all the guests were super cool. Um, I got preaching to the choir. If you want to slug through some idiots drunkenly reading the Bible, um, <laughs> I'd appreciate it. It's on, uh, it's on YouTube. I think we have a website, preachingpod.com. I don't know if that's the website or not. I have to look at it. But yeah, that's all the stuff we got right now. Um, I actually, I think I, I put up five minutes of the set on Instagram that I did at Two Chunks Make It Right recently. Oh, cool. Yeah, you did. So I remember the, seeing that. Yeah, The yeah, first yeah. five minutes of that show were up. So if you guys missed it and you want to know how good of a fucking show Carl puts on, uh, how good of a comic I can be when I have all my friends and comedian friends in an audience, <laughs> please give that a listen, man. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything. I think that's, that's pretty much, I hope I'm not leaving anything out, but I think that's it. Cool. I'm covered. Good to see you, man. Like, hopefully, uh, sooner or later, we'll 
get to play drums in real life. You know what I'm saying? Little, yeah. Little drum action. We'll have a little drum jam, dude. Oh, hell yeah. Drum circle. Dope. <laughs> All right. All right, Justin. We'll see you later, man. Take it easy, Carl. it was guys another episode in the bag man appreciate everybody for hanging out with the badum chain with carl be sure to click that like be sure to click subscribe wherever you're listening tell your friends tell your foes tell everybody man i got one little bit of nugget before we leave little uh surprise for you guys man if you're into it looks like there's going to be some badum ching merch Headed your way, man. Um, should be some shirts and stickers and goodies like that available soon. So follow the Badum Ching with Carl at CR3 Podcast on Instagram and Twitter to get the lowdown. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, see you later. <laughs>